Welcome to the Northgate Church Podcast from the heart of Chester in the UK. We're going to look at some verses from John 8, because we've been in the book of John. Um, I don't know when we started this series, I can't remember, but it was some time ago anyway. So there's been various um, various um, aspects of uh, the book of John. Now, we're going to look at where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Okay. Now, before we get there, you can get there in your, in your Bibles, but before we go to that, what I realise is that the Bible has a massive amount to say about light. Do you realise that? The Bible's got loads to say about light, about its significance, uh, its qualities, about its relevance. It says loads about light. And when I was looking to prepare and preparing for today, I was looking at some of the key verses uh, that talk about light. And I really felt strongly that as I speak today, which is primarily from John 8, what I really wanted to do is almost set a bit of a context. And actually, in some respects, what Al's already been doing in um, leading our time of worship today, there's already been a bit of a context. There's been a bit of a baseline that's been put into place. But I just wanted to almost set a, put a, a mark in the ground and say, what, what does the Bible say? What is God about when we talk about light? What does it actually mean? So there are certain people around the room, if I can have the, is a radio mic there, Joe? There's certain people that I've prepped. Because what I actually wanted to do was I wanted to get some Northgaters declaring from Scripture about what the Bible says about light. And actually, that context, I believe, is a real... And let the Holy Spirit almost move around while these scriptures are being read. So in other words, I thought I could read them out, but I really had a sense that I wanted to just give, give the scriptures to certain people to read them and have that let the scriptures wash over us. Okay, so people have been prepped to do it. So we've got about five of them before we get into the main passage. So the first one we're going to do is Psalm 27, verse 1. Psalm 27, verse 1. This is Rach. Rach, read it. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Fantastic. Isn't that amazing? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Next one's John 12:46. This is Steve Horby. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Fantastic. Thanks, Steve. John 12:46. Come into the world as light, that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And this is uh, John, 1 John 1, verse 5. This is the wonderful Shirley Holmes. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Fantastic. In him there is no darkness at all. 
Psalm 119 and verse 130. Psalm 119, verse 130. This is Rhiannon Cook. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Fantastic. Thanks, Rhiannon. The unfolding of your words gives light. What we're going to be doing today is looking at his word. And as those words unfold, they bring light into our lives. Isn't that great, Phil? Absolutely. Amen. (laughs) And finally, and finally, Isaiah 9, verse 2. This is the wonderful, doesn't he look great, Darlington? He looks very snappy today, Darlington. This is Darlington, go on. Thank you. Um, The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness... On them has light shine. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, Darlington. Fantastic. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in deep darkness, on them a light has shined. Fantastic. Isn't that amazing? To hear those scriptures declared over us. Holy Spirit, just move in power now as we get into your word, as we dwell in this place and you dwell amongst us by your spirit. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Speak into our souls. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, tea and coffee served. If you want to uh, get a drink, and uh, we'll see you next week. (laughs) You could leave it there, couldn't you? Just let in those scriptures wash over you. But actually, there is more. There is more. So we've set the scene. Let's take a look then at this week's um, text, which is from John 8. So if you've got your Bibles, which I hope you have, uh, if you can turn to John chapter 8. (coughs) John chapter 8. Okay, and we're going to look at verses 12 through to around 20. Okay. Uh, Here we go. Over the page. 11, 12. There you go. Now, in my Bible in the NIV, the little title for this section is called The Validity of Jesus' testimony, the validity of Jesus' testimony. And we'll see why it's got that title in a moment. It says, when Jesus spoke to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now the Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. But Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is actually valid, for I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. But you have no idea where I came from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards, but I pass judgment on no one. 
But if I do judge, my decisions are right because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, Where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple area, near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him, because his time had not yet come. His time had not yet come. Amazing scriptures there from John 8. I want to ask you a question just to think about for a minute or so. And I don't make any assumptions in this room. Because I know some of you, some. I know some of you more. I know some of you less. But I don't know about your journey of faith. I don't even know what it means to you when you hear this scripture about Jesus being the light of the world. So I want you to think. And then, if anyone wants to describe it, I'll come to you. In one sentence, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, what does that mean to you personally? When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, what does that mean to you personally? I'm just going to give you a minute to meditate on that. Okay, so the question, what does it mean to you personally in one sentence when Jesus says, I am the light of the world? Does anyone want to share that, a thought? Yeah, John? It's like living in a dim house and a door being opened and you see there's an outside world. Wow. I like that. Living in a dim house, the door's open and suddenly there's light outside. A new world. A new world. Anyone else? If, if he is the light of the world, then the world can't see unless he brings light. Or he is that light that helps us see. Yeah, fantastic. Steve? Suddenly dawned at me that I'm a flicker flicker of that light. A flicker? Yeah? Sally? Uh, Jesus is the light of my world. He shows me where to go how to be, how to live, and he illuminates dark areas where I am not sure and gives me wisdom. Wow, fantastic. Thanks, Sally. Let's go to Natalie. Um, I think it's about brightness and um, joy because um, on a bright, sunny day, you feel joyful. Wow. Yes, a brightness brings a different perspective on things, doesn't it? Fantastic. 
Sorry, John, I knocked the mic thing out. Anyone else? Oh, two here. One, Sheila. Just as we were praying before, for me, Jesus being the light of the world is just <coughs> so powerful because it is impossible for darkness to remain where there is light. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, Noah. Jenny? Yeah, on a similar theme, um, life needs light to survive. Therefore, he brings life. That's right. Life needs light to survive. Don't want to miss anyone, but I'm going to go to Joe. Similar theme. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote down, removing of darkness, brackets, evil, from the world as light, brackets, joy, peace, hope, always conquers darkness. Wow. Yeah. Cheeky teacher getting some brackets in there. To yeah, I like the brackets bit. more info in there than the one sentence. I like the brackets bit. Fantastic. Thank you, everyone. And if, and if you didn't share it, the thing that you thought about in that moment of silence, just take it away with you today. And as we go through some thoughts on this, just allow and ask the Holy Spirit just to, to bring more clarity, more awareness, more understanding. So, John 8, these are, these are actually a really groundbreaking set of verses. If you realise what is being said... And if you actually see Jesus for who he is, this is the key thing here, seeing Jesus for who he really is. Because what's actually being said here is that following Jesus is much more than just play, paying lip service. It means following him for who he really is. That's the challenge to us for those who believe and trust in him. It's not just... And we know this, and we've heard this said, but it's not just what we do on a Sunday. It's not just coming into this place. It's not just when we meet in the week in other contexts. It's about a committed relationship with Jesus on a day-to-day -day basis. This is a great part of it, and I'm so glad. I believe wholeheartedly in the local church. I believe wholeheartedly in the local church. I believe that as imperfect as it is, this expression of our faith that we do, it's not the whole picture, but it's part of the picture, isn't it? Yep. Meeting together, worshipping together, hearing the word together, praying together. What's the key word? Together. I believe wholeheartedly in this expression of the local church. But it has to be, this is part of it, but it has to be more than that. So we're not just paying lip service. We're consumed with so much with Jesus that we kind of join ourselves to him. As he joins ourselves to us, there's that, that, that um, Holy Spirit connection. So what does it really mean? When we follow him, we have him. And I think that's what some of you said as I just went round. When we follow Jesus, we have him in our lives as the light of life. So when he says, I am the light, whoever follows me will have that light. In other words, when we accept Jesus into our lives, that light comes into our lives, doesn't it? That light comes into our hearts. We talk about asking Jesus into our hearts. And that light of Jesus comes into our hearts and illuminates. 
So what Natalie said is so right. It illuminates. It, it, things look different in the light. What Sheila said is right. Yeah. I don't know if it's me because I wrecked it. I'll, oh, right. Leave it in. John will mute it. Okay. Sorry, guys, trashing the uh, equipment. So, yeah, what Sheila said is that the light actually can't resist, sorry, the darkness can't resist the light, can it? Because as soon as you bring light into darkness, it's not dark anymore. It's not dark anymore. But actually, if you think about it, the other way around isn't true. Darkness can't consume light. Light can only overcome the darkness. So when we accept Jesus into our lives, we let that light come and flood our lives. Every part of it. So the last part of verse 12 says, you will have the light of life. You will have the light of life. Well, what's the relationship between life and light, because there is, there's a link, there's a bond, there's a relationship between light and life. Well, actually, we find the answer to that in, in uh, other scriptures, in John 1.4, which we've actually looked at, I think, earlier on in this uh, series. It says, in him was life, and, the, and that life was the light of men. So in him was life, and that life was the light of men. So there's that strong link between light and life. In other words, the life, I know there's a lot of lights and lives and lights and lights and lives and lives going on here, but the life gives light. Yeah? So the life that Jesus had and the life he shares with those who follow him gives light. Okay? The life that Jesus has and the life that he shares with those who follow him gives them life or gives them light. So that's how we get that light. And actually, we actually appropriate it. We, we appropriate. Do you know what appropriate, appropriate means? It means to take hold of. Going back to my police days in 1987 when I joined the police, I can still remember learning about the definition of theft under the Theft Act 1968. Dishonestly appropriating property belonging to another with the intention of permanently depriving the said person of that property. Are you impressed? That's from 1987. Still remember it. It's in my memory somewhere, my memory bank. Dishonestly appropriating. Well, we're not dishonestly appropriating, but we are taking hold of something that God has promised to us. We're taking hold of it, appropriating it. So when we appropriate or take hold of that light... So we appropriate or take hold of it when the life of Jesus is given to us by God's Spirit. And then the eyes of our heart are open. So we know in other scriptures it talks about the eyes of our heart, doesn't it? So when that light comes in, the eyes of our heart are opened and we become much more aware of God's Spirit. And then his powerful light floods and streams into our spirit. I know there's a lot of lives and lights going on here. But the light that comes from the new, spiritual, eye-opening, gobsmacking life, it just turns our whole lives around. Because up to that point, we're blind. So that's what some of you said when I went round. Because pre-light, there is darkness. And darkness 
is kind of linked to spiritual blindness. So up to this point, we've been blind. But when that life comes, that light comes, it gives us a new perspective. It changes everything. It really does. But what does this actually mean in scriptures when it says in verse 12, it says the light of the world. Because Jesus said to them, I am the light of the world. Well, I think it's something like this. This is one of my sort of thoughts when I look at Scripture. It means, I think it means that the whole world is not yet being brought into the light. The whole world is not yet being brought into the light. At least it's not at this time. There's still darkness. And the Scriptures kind of indicate that, don't they? They indicate that there is still darkness in the world. We've heard today when Sheila was praying for the Ukraine situation, there is darkness in our world, isn't there? There is evil. There is deception. There is violence. There is hatred. There is sin. So there is still darkness in our world. But Jesus says that whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. That's why when we pray for our leaders, when we pray for our government, when we pray for those in authority, which we should do, what do we often pray? We pray that they might be aware of the presence and light of Jesus. Because actually, the the awareness of that presence and light and understanding who Jesus is will transform their perspective just like it's transformed our perspective. So when we pray for those on authority, I think that's so important to pray that, that they would be aware of the light of Jesus. Because actually, that changes everything for them. So I think that the world, Jesus brings light into the world, but it's not, it doesn't consume the whole world. There will be a time where the light of Jesus will flood the whole world. And everyone, but everyone, will bow the knee and declare that Jesus is Lord and will recognise exactly who he is. That time has not yet come. So Jesus says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, which basically I think means that if we don't follow him, we're walking in darkness. If we don't follow Jesus, we're in the dark. If we follow him, we've got the light of life in our hearts in our lives so being the light of the world it doesn't mean extracting all darkness from the world what I think it means is that there's no other light but Jesus there's no other source of light there's no one else who can do what Jesus can do. There's no one else who has done what Jesus has done. There's no other source of light other than Jesus himself. If there's going to be a light for the world, who's it going to be? Jesus. It's one or the other. It's Jesus or it's darkness. It's darkness or it's Jesus. There's no other source of light. No other God who can save. 
No other God who's paid the price for our sin. No other God who can shine light into our hearts like he can. There's no third alternative. There's no other source of light. So what you could actually say is that Jesus is the only light of the world. And that everyone, every person in the world needs Jesus. Do we believe that? Yeah? Let's not be half-hearted about it. Let's not be embarrassed about it. Let's not be ashamed about it. Let's not be worried about talking about Jesus in our lives. Because if we don't talk about Jesus, who else is going to do it? If we're ashamed of our faith, who else are people going to hear about Jesus from? Do you believe it? And I know it's, I know it's blooming tricky because I feel it's myself. There's times where I feel like, what do I really believe? Who do I really believe in? How can I make an impact with my faith? It's real. Hey, guys. Welcome back. Welcome back, Jenny. Not too far to go. So there's no other light. It's Jesus or it's darkness. Do you get that? Yeah. It also means that the world was made for this light. Um, The world was made to receive this light. This light is not some kind of alien intrusion. It's not some sort of foreign force. This is God who made the world, designed the world to be able to receive the light of Jesus. So it not only shines into the darkness of sin to expose it, because it's what's what it does. The light of Jesus shines into the darkness of sin to expose it and to reveal it. But it also makes everything good in the world shine with absolute true beauty. In other words, the world was designed to be flooded with the light of Jesus, which is what you said, Natalie, isn't it? When you see the light, it makes things different. It brings a different perspective. What did you say, Steve? Was it glimpses? What flickers? Flickers. We're the flickers, yeah. And finally, Jesus being the light of the world means that one day this world will be filled with the light as the water, as it says in the scriptures, as the waters covers the sea, all darkness, all works of darkness will be cast out. Okay, so one day the, the, the glory of the Lord will come in fullness when Jesus returns. Jesus is returning, by the way. Yeah, don't forget it. Jesus is coming again. Now in these scriptures in verses 13 and 14, it says that Jesus was accused of defending himself as his own witness. I I was quite interested in this from a a legal perspective. The Pharisees were trying to catch him out. They were trying to trap him. That was their goal. In fact, later on in verse 20, it says, no one seized him because his time hadn't come. The hour hadn't come. There was a time, there would be a time where Jesus would be betrayed, uh, where he would be given up. He'd be arrested and tried and crucified, but the time hadn't come yet. 
But as Jesus is being challenged and, and grilled and trying to be caught out by the Pharisees, what does he say? He knows who he is. Verses 14 to 16, he says, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I come from and where I am going. I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. He knows where he is, who he is and where he comes from. How amazing is that? Not just his identity, but his destiny are completely fixed. Not just his identity, but his destiny. And I believe that's what God designs and desires for all of us. It's the way that he designed us to be. So the question that I would ask is, are we certain on the basis of our identity? And are we confident in our ultimate destiny? Are we certain on the basis of our identity? And are we confident in our ultimate destiny? Now, I've already said that we have the light of Jesus in our lives if we've accepted him into our lives. But difficult times can come. Difficult times can come. Testing can come. <coughs> Temptation can come. One of the things that I do in my job at the moment is I do, good morning, guys. Wow, look at those biscuits. Oh, my goodness. Hi, Vicky. Fantastic. One of the things that I do in my job at the moment is I do what's called emergency planning. So I do emergency response for companies all the way up and down the country, planning for emergency situations. It might be in the retail sector or uh, corporate sector, charities, anything to prepare for. Good morning, Reuben and Ben. Ben, I'm preaching from down here at the moment, okay. Here they come. So I help companies and businesses prepare for emergency situations. But you know the thing? You can teach them. You can equip them. You can provide everything they need in theory. But it's only when the reality of an emergency situation hits that you know if actually they're in a good place to be able to deal with that emergency situation. It's only when the rubber hits the road, when that situation arises. Hi, Alex. Hi, Sophia. It's only when that situation arises do you realise that they are in a place to be able to deal with that emergency situation. And it's a bit like that with our faith. Because there's been times in my life where I've thought, where is my faith? What do I really believe? When difficulties come, and Sheila and I, I won't go into it now, even this week have had some challenging times. And, and by God's grace, God has done some amazing things in our life over this week. But that's the one I think, when the rubber hits the road, when it really gets tough, what do I really believe? Have I got that light of Jesus shining into my life? Am I trusting that that light will expel the darkness? And actually, I can completely trust in the one who holds my life in his hands. And I can think about it in theory all the time. And I can think about what I believe and what I've believed in the 41 years that I've been a Christian. But when the rubber hits the road, what do I really believe? When that moment comes of 
bad news, illness, accident, death, destruction. When that moment comes, what do I really believe? Where is my faith anchored? Because in theory, it's fine. We can talk about it. But in reality, it's gritty. It's tough. It's hard. But God is absolutely faithful. I can't say anything more than that. He's absolutely faithful. And I believe that his light shines into my life and our lives as a family and our lives as his body, the church. And it changes everything. Nearly done. Now, when Jesus was pressed, he knew his identity and he knew his destiny. So when the pressing came, he was absolutely convinced of who he was and where he was going. And as his followers, our light needs to shine. Our light needs to shine. Matthew 5 says, you are the light of the world. It says we are the light of the world. So Jesus already said that he is. Now he's saying that we are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a lamp, light in a lamp and put it in a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives the light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they might see your good deeds and glorify who? Jesus, your Father in heaven. And Philippians 2 says, do everything without arguing or grumbling so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. So we are designed to reflect his life in our lives. Sorry, his light in our lives. Amen? We are designed to reflect it. So let's do that. Let me cut to the chase. These are my last thoughts before the team come. And I think it would be good to sing that, that last song. Is that okay, Joe? Pardon? Sheila's got something. Do you want to share that now? Come on then. Maybe we get the team up and do, do the last song because I've just got... My last thoughts after Sheila. Okay, just really what something that I, a, a picture really that God's given me after sharing about what does it mean to have Jesus as the light of the world in our lives, and is it John that talked about the opening of a door and that that it's like letting God in through the the door uh, of our, our our lives? And I just got a picture of us as houses almost. Um, because this is our home, our lives, you know, this is where we reside. And um, that we actually have quite a lot of control over how much light we allow into those lives. So my question is, and I think my God's question to us is, we may be here thinking, well, we've let that door open. We've allowed God into our lives. The front door is open. But how many of the rooms inside have closed doors? Um, I was reminded when a new guy was prepping for this of a, an artist called William Holman Hunt, and he wrote a he he um, painted an amazing picture, um, the light of the world, and it's a picture of Jesus standing at a door, and and it relating to Jesus stands at the door and knocks, um, but he won't force that door open, and I believe God is saying to us that God will 
is not going to force those doors inside open. Um, but there are doors that are closed. And why is that? Well, there are four reasons for it. One, we may be fearful to let God inside parts of our lives and allow the light in because we don't want God to see what is going on in those rooms. Two, we don't want to open the doors because there are some doors we want to keep closed and we want to keep God out because we don't want to change because we know we're going to have to change if we let God see and let God into those rooms. Three, we think we have lost the key to some of those doors. So even though we want to let God in, we're just not able to do it. And God is saying, just stop panicking. The doors are unlocked and let me in. And the next one is, for some of us, God is saying, yes, you have your doors open, but it's time to fling the curtains open and really let my light in. Amen. Wow. In the Old Testament, there was a, the scriptures that talk about the pillar of, um, pillar of cloud to guide them by night and the pillar of fire to give them light, the Israelites, as they traveled, so that they could travel either by day or by night. They could be guided. Jesus is our guide. Jesus is our guide. And as we travel forward, we are led by his light. So let's remember these things. The key life-changing truths from today. I believe the game changes. When we trust in Jesus, we have his light in us. When we trust in Jesus, darkness cannot overcome the light. When we trust in Jesus, our identity is rooted in him. When we trust in Jesus, our destiny is assured. When we trust in Jesus, his light will guide us. And when we trust in Jesus, we should let his light shine for all to see every day. Amen? Lord, let these words and these scriptures be to us life-changing. Let the light of your life shine into our hearts, change and transform us, make us more like Jesus. Lord, give us the courage to let our light shine, not cover it over with a bowl, but let it shine and speak of the Lord Jesus who loved us so much he gave his life for us. Lord, let your light shine on us individually, as families, and in this body, and let it change us forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Northgate Church Podcast. Find out more at northgate.org.uk or find us on social media by searching Northgate Church Chester.